The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, Glory to you O Lord. Lord. In language that re- recalls the 23rd Psalm, Jesus describes himself as the shepherd who cares for his sheep. He is willing to die for them, and he is able to overcome death for them. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because the hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received command from my fa- this commandment from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. You may be seated. Let us pray. My good and gracious God, we give thanks that we can come here today, that we can gather in the fold here of the sheep and know that um, you are with us, that you have cared for us this week, even in ways we have not recognized. And we pray that we will always come to you, Lord, first and give thanks to you first and that we will take our direction from the shepherd of our lives who, who knows how to uh, give Give his life for us all and bring us Easter joy and new life each day. Amen. I asked the uh, first service what their favorite Bible verses were, and it was very quiet at first, so I thought that was going to never work. And then all of a sudden, the popcorning began, and people began to say all these verses until at the door I got the ultimate, which was someone who said, my Bible verse was from uh, confirmation, and it was in German. And I said, can you still say it? And she said, yep, and she said something. And I have, n- have no idea what she said. But it could have been anything, but it was probably a wonderful Bible verse. So I know Horace is getting, I needed an tr- interpreter. <laughs> but if I were to ask uh, many people what your favorite Bible verses are, it would possibly be the 23rd Psalm. Many of us have committed it to memory from Sunday school days, and... Uh, what? You were all ready to say the 23rd? Oh, did you want to stand up and recite it? Oh, <laughs> okay. And why is that? I will ask you, why is it? <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay, I'll give you time. Okay, um, the assumption could be wrong, as I said, but the 23rd Psalm is really one that brings... Uh, familiarity and, and perhaps even old memories of days gone by to all of us, but it's also um, 100% a, a, a psalm that I had have had at almost every funeral that I have ever uh, been a part of. 23rd Psalm is um, much more, however, than a graveside uh, blessing. I think that's what I wanted to get at this morning. 
Most of us, you know, are not shepherds, so we don't relate particularly to this profession that we're describing, but I think it's safe to say that we love the gentle, protective Savior of the Scripture, the Savior we relate to most oftenly as shepherd. He who cares for the lost sheep and the helpless lambs, who binds up their wounds and plums the depths of um, their needs, even though they can't speak but cry out to him. Let's plumb the depths ourselves of this well-known psalm. I help, have help from a scholar named Joel Lamont for new insights I gained for this morning. You may know already that Psalm 23 is not an end-of-life psalm. It, was, it is joined with the gospel text this morning, John 10, because of all the shepherd imagery that it has. A shepherd was known as the ultimate caregiver in biblical times, someone that would indeed lay down his life for his sheep. If wild beasts tried to steal the little helpless lambs for dinner, the good shepherd would fight that wild beast to the, de- to the end. The idea of self-sacrifice is mentioned four times in today's Gospel of John 10. The shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. Again, lay down his life for his sheep four times in just those short verses. And the shepherd at nightfall, as you may know from all your Sunday school lessons, would put the sheep wherever he was finally into kind of a, against a, a cave or a wall where he could uh, pen them in. And if he had no gate, which they didn't out in the wilderness and the pastures wherever they were wandering, the good shepherd himself would finally lay down as the gate, and he would block in all the sheep, keeping them safe at hand all night long, keeping vigilant for any beasts that may come to attack, and no wild animal would ever be able to steal his precious lambs from behind him. He knew them individually because they were his, and he would keep them all safe. Contrast that total commitment of laying down your life for your sheep in the gateway to the person in this text called the hired hand. A hired hand in John's gospel is uh, someone who does not take 24-7 attention to the job. A hired hand is a a sort of um, selfish person in John's gospel. They watch the clock. They don't get emotionally involved get their paycheck, punch out at 5 o'clock, head to happy hour, that's the hired hand. Jesus is contrasting his own devotion to the sheep to the hired hand philosophy. Don't overextend yourself for the vulnerable, the lost or the dependent livestock. That's a hired hand. These styles were meant to represent corrupt kings, the hired hands, corrupt kings and religious leaders of those times in Israel's history who were only interested in the fame and the glory, the power, and possibly the, the money. They were not interested in promoting God's saving message. They may be Pharisees in Jesus' day, religious leaders who turned a deaf ear to their vulnerable flock and their safety and salvation. Or they could be pastors and priests and rabbis in everyday life now who have lost their sense of call, who are going through the motions uh, as the head of their particular churches or synagogues, but they are not really serving as God's servants and witnesses to a risen Lord. Christian Century and editor David Heim calls this a minimalist approach to responsibility, and he has a name for it. He calls it Jobsworth, J-O-B-S-W-O-R-T-H. Jobsworth. This is a person who won't lift a finger 
to do more than the bare minimum the job requires. The effort required would be more than the job's worth. Get it? Jesus hired hands, jobs work folk, are only present for the paycheck and what's in it for them. And Heim continues, Jesus the good shepherd exploded the jobs worth syndrome. Jesus is in full solidarity with the ones that he has come to work with totally identified as God's shepherd in mission. He is the one who lifts hearts, sparks outrage and cur- outrage and the authorities trying to control him. He gives courage to those in hospital beds, waiting rooms, and funeral homes. And the message is that there is a shepherd who has walked the darkest of paths before us and has marked the trail through it to the light for the rest of us to follow. In God's eyes, our job as Christian followers are worth more than we can imagine. Each task and each relationship is an opportunity either to encourage one another in faith and hope or to celebrate the power and glory of creation and to continue to fight those forces that undermine faith and hope and joy in our midst. Psalm 23 demonstrates God's undeserved grace as well. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How have we ever earned such a rich blessing every day of our life to be given God's goodness, mercy, and grace? It is something we're asked also to give to others. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Mercy is the human need that we have soon after we are created in the Garden of Eden when we uh, ate from that tree indeed and God needed right off the bat to show us mercy. Gary Simpson gives us this illustration which was interesting. There's an amusement park in the Midwest where the grounds crew, the street sweepers, were dressed in formal clothing, men in tuxedos with tails, and women with long, flowing, formal gowns. Their simple task was to clean up behind the guests who threw garbage on the park grounds. They walked in the streets with such extravagance just to clean up behind thoughtless, inconsiderate guests, always smiling, always dressed impeccably. After a while, a guest was embarrassed to have such nobility picking up behind them. This is what God does, not with grudge or with spite. This God we have extravagantly picks up behind us, follows us, and we need mercy behind us, sweeping sweeping up the refuse we have left in our wake. We have mercy behind us, sweeping up the refuse we have left in our wake. Jesus calls all of us to be shepherds to others in our world. It's not an image we use often, but we do know what it means. Even the little children said Jesus was the one they trusted the most. And so we need to be trustworthy servants of our Lord, not hired hands, who are only looking at what the least we can do to get by is. We all have busy lives, I know, 
And I, too, feel constantly the pressure to leave the desk and get out to see the people who are hurting and hospitals and what, and I often fail. There's constant need for we, the shepherds, to also uh, be reminded of how great a calling this is to be pastors because it can also be a time when we become jobs worth instead of those who are called as shepherds of the living God as well. We need God's mercy. It's the fourth Sunday of Easter, my fellow believers, and Christ is risen. So are we thriving? Are we thriving out in the world? It's a tough slog some weeks, but are we the jubilant sheep of the pasture where he lives among us, he has laid down his life for us, given us the potential for a new life, new beginnings every day, who sweeps up the blunders we have and blows them away. Jesus calls us to shepherd others, the lost and the lonely all around our world. And are we doing so? I think so many of us are, many of you are. But it's a process of lifelong returning and returning and returning to our role as Christians, as baptized believers, washed with the grace of God into eternal life. We just had a baptism at 9 o'clock. It's always a good reminder of our first roots and our calling, how little that child is, and yet God has claimed that child already for a future and for a, a task, assignment of discipleship among us someday. God leads us beside still waters when we need help. God restores our soul when we are so weary. He answers our prayers, and he will call you, call each one of you in a different way to lead an anxious colleague or a resident to stiller waters. Or maybe you'll be the one to protest the injustice at Starbucks, such as happened this week in Philadelphia. Or you'll be the one at work or at school, to bring someone consolation. Maybe you'll be called to pray for peace and joy in the hearts of the homeless. It's Easter season every day. Pray for God to use you and equip you and make you the bearer of mercy and good news, and may it be this week and may it be soon. A final insight comes from David Heim. He says, whenever we become fond of our own community, as I think people say they are of Upper Dublin, or of your neighborhood, or of your comfort zone at work, whenever you become fond of your community, Jesus reminds us that he's equally committed to those outside of it. And he suggests that those outside are equally equipped to hear what he has to say. I have other sheep, says Jesus today, that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd, diverse and gifted and whole. Jesus says today, go where I send thee and bring the message of the risen Lord. Amen? Amen.